0: on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger.
1: Good to see everybody in church. Did you guys know summer's here? Yeah. Ooh, we endured five winters and we finally got summer. Come on, somebody! It's exciting when it warms up and uh, and we can suns out, guns out. And uh, I don't know about you, but I am flaking like a snake right now. So don't get close, don't get close to my arms because they look like uh, like I'm a part rattler or something. They're just falling off. <clears throat> but. Um, Man, it's such a it's such a good time when the the sun comes out and warms up. Just I I I like it. I'm from Alaska, so I, I enjoy the the cold. Uh, but I I have just come to really love uh, the the sunshine of the Lord, <laughs> shining of make His face to shine upon thee, Amen. <clears throat> so uh, I hope you've been enjoying it, um, and uh, it's just it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've, I've discovered a new way to get my kids to church on time. And um, maybe your families are completely different. Maybe your kids just listen the first time. So my go-to when they don't listen is yelling. That's I'm a yell. Like, I apologize. That's what I do. I, I, I yell sometimes, and then I have to apologize. So I'm very good at modeling uh, repentance to my kids. <laughs> Um, but I've discovered this incredible, you know, what's fun is the, the, the thing is I just said that. And some of you are like, you should never yell at your kids. And I'm like, just wait till you have kids. Cause you clearly don't have kids. Um, um but, but, uh, I, I discovered this amazing thing and that's this, Hey, if everybody's out the door by eight 30, we're getting donuts before church, you know, it's a it, bribery is a great parenting tool that's That's what target is all about. You know when you walk into Target and there's that whole dollar section that is b- bribery. That's what that is. like if you're good, if you're good, like you could pick one thing out and if you're good the whole time, then you get <laughs> the uh, don't listen to any of that but <laughs> the worst thing is when you get to the donut shop, you, you've bribed your kids, they're getting their favorite donut and it's sunday morning so everybody else has already showed up to buy their church like entire boxes of donuts you know what i'm saying and so there's no donuts left and then you got kids uh not happy and they're crying and 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 they're they're uh they're upset about not having donuts um that's when life gets hard (laughs) makes life makes life difficult um no i'm i'm really kidding it's it's not that big of a deal as long as i get my donut we're good (laughs) I'm not kidding about that. (laughs) But here's the deal. like In in life, we all face difficulty. Whether it's when we showed up to the donut shop early because Dad said if I got dressed early, I'd get a donut, and it's not there. Or we said, I do to somebody, thinking that I do meant for the rest of my life, and it turned out not being for the rest of my life. Or um, I, I started a business because leaders in my life said, you've got what it takes to lead a business, and then just a few years down the road, you realized it was overwhelming, and your, your family was, was paying a price for it, and you ended up saying, this, this is not for me. There's a lot of places in life where, where it's actually disappointing. I hope somebody's encouraged today <laughs> in the Holy Ghost. Listen, listen, life doesn't always turn, in fact, I would say this, like, a lot of life is just experiencing the struggles of life, the struggles of growing up, the struggles of sh- getting dressed early because mom and dad said we're getting a donut, and then showing up, and they got nothing but the old-fashioned donuts left. Life is full of those kind of moments, and, and really, our, our disappointments in life, they show up for, for two main reasons. The two main reasons we, we experience disappointments in life is, number one, it's our own choices. Can we just be honest today and say it's not everybody else's fault a lot of the time? <laughs> like, like, it's so easy to point the finger, like, it was, it was this person, it was this. The, the truth is, like, I, there, there are things I look back and I say, you know what? Uh, this knucklehead here is the one that made that decision. And I should just, I should just go ahead and say, like, it was really my, my own responsibility that I ended up in trouble. It's fun for us to blame God and to spiritualize everything and say, no, God, it's the plan of God. No, 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 that wasn't the plan of God for you to be bankrupt, right? It wasn't the plan of God for you to bounce a check. Like, that, that's not the plan of God. That was your own choices. And then the other side is, so our, our own choices cause difficulty. And the other thing is this, is things outside of our circu- outside of our control. Things that are, that are outside of the scope of what we control often cause just frustration and difficulty in life. Just, they make things hard. Choices that a spouse might make. Choices that your boss might make. Decisions that employees you entrusted with authority make. And I think the temptation for us when we're experiencing these difficult times in life is this, uh, in, in either situation, whether it's us making the decision that leads down a bad path or something outside of our control uh, changing our circumstances, either way, I think what we often do is, is, is we assume that because God is good, that he's going to shelter us from the things that disappoint us. We assume that because God wants to bless our lives and because he has promises for those that follow him, that his purpose is always to shelter us from, uh, from the consequences of our own decisions or the reality of other people's input into our lives. And so we think, like, if God's good, he's going to protect me from all that's around me. And I just want to tell somebody today, it could be that God is good and he also leverages the pain in your life to make you better. Like he could leverage the pain and the, the, the dissatisfaction and the, and the frustration in your life. He just may. Like it could possibly be. I, I don't know. Yes, I do know. He, he, he could just be using those disappointments to make you into a stronger person, a stronger believer, somebody with more faith. Because when we experience these difficult seasons, like, what we always want to do, we we do a couple of things. But the the first is we experience difficulty, and and the first, at least for me, the first thing I want to do is I want to fix it. I have any fixers in (laughs) the house? You're just like, I'm going to fix it right now. Like, my wife's telling me how frustrated she is with something. I'm like, let's fix it. Let's fix it right now. She doesn't want me to fix it, right? Don't, Don't we fix it. But we try to fix it. This is Adam and Eve, right? They sinned. What did they do? They recognized they were naked and they fixed it. They fixed it. They they sewed fig leaves together and then they hid. They they went and fixed it themselves because a lot of the times we assume that God's plan is just to get rid of the problem. And so we're going to be God's hands and feet and we're going to fix it and get rid of the problem. The next thing we often find people doing is this... um, is we, we find people looking for help in the people around them. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like crowdsourcing counseling off Facebook? Please stop. I just don't, don't do like, I'm just I'm just going to get the opinion of like, I'm going to get the opinion of the least qualified people in my life to like input into this situation. That's, that's what we do. We look for people that agree with us. We look for people, all, we look for all these people to kind of come together and, and help us bring it together. This is, this is normal. It's what we do. This is what Job did. He's having a problem, and his, his, his friends come around him, and they're giving him terrible advice. And I think the worst of the, the things we do when we experience difficulty in life is this. We just figure it's, it's our lot in life. We just figure we deserve it. We just figure that we just, we owe it to God, or we owe it to life, to just endure just a, a really difficult thing. Usually because we've done something in the past. We say, you know, like, like I'm a believer now, but, but I also know where I was. And because of the things I did in my past, I know, like, it's, it's just God's plan to kind of make me pay my penance for a little bit. Until I finally earn my way into this thing. Right? Don't, don't you do that sometimes? We say, like, it's just my, it's just, it is what it is. It is what, like, that's the worst thing to say. It, it is what it is, but it isn't what it has to like. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be what it is, but often we do that, and and with that mentality of like, I just, I just have bad luck. I guess it's just Murphy's Law. We're we're the family of Murphy's Law. With that mentality, I'm, I promise you, you will never experience the freedom that God has for your family. What I'm saying is like God doesn't just want to save you and then let you bumble through life, Murphy's law, we're the Murphy's family, like whatever's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. No, God's plan for your life is that you would truly have freedom. God's plan for your life is that you wouldn't live in this this rut, that you wouldn't be stuck, that you wouldn't get stuck in mental modes, and you wouldn't get stuck in financial decisions. God's plan for your life is that you truly be free, because my Bible says, He that the Son has set free is free indeed. No, he's got to have some sort of, no, my Bible also say this. It says, it is for freedom's sake that Christ sets you free. God doesn't have any ulterior motives than to set you free so you can live your life in the freedom of Christ. But we get in these mindsets where we're like, no, I'm just, it is what it is. We feel like life is this. This merry-go-round of situations that appear similar, they just have different faces on them, but similar personalities and similar situations, and everybody's all men are the same, and and all women are gonna treat you this way, and all employers are that like and, and we just we just figure that's the way it is. Can I tell you today that you don't have to live life like that? And can I tell you today that the difficult seasons and the difficult situations that you face in life, the hopes that don't quite meet your expectations, God leverages them for the one thing that pleases Him. God takes the frustrations, the disappointments, and he, he, he reaches into those things, and he leverages them so that you can experience the one thing that the Bible says you can please him with. My Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can I suggest to you today That the disappointments, the frustrations, the disillusionment, all the discouragement is actually something that God uses to leverage faith into your life because he's pleased with faith. It says he, that, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith, it, it doesn't say without performance. It doesn't say without trying harder. It doesn't say by not being a better person. It doesn't say by not like, not kicking the habit. It, it, it doesn't say by like holding your tongue and, and, and never saying words out of turn. Like, like n- never yelling at people in Petaluma when they're yelling at you about your dog and your child in a McDonald's parking lot. I, I love you Californians. I, I married one of you. <clears throat> but I, I remember I, I, was, I was in Petaluma, and, and we, we, were, we had visited some, some family, and we we're on our way back, and, um, and, and we just got this dumb puppy. Like, puppies are stupid. Puppies, like, and people that say that puppies, like, oh, it's puppy's breath. You know what puppy's breath smells like, right? Puppy's breath smells like puppy butt. <laughs> smell again. It's the same smell. And and I remember we had this little puppy and and um and and I we we'd been driving all day so we stopped at this McDonald's and I was like okay we're gonna um we're gonna run in I'm gonna leave the car running we're gonna take the dog we're, we're gonna leave we actually it was it wasn't a truck so it was inside the vehicle we're gonna leave the truck running we're gonna lock it with the fob let the air conditioner stay on there but the but the dog will be in in the car with the air conditioner okay and um. And it was, it was warm. It was like 90 degrees. But the air conditioner is on in the car, and the car is running. And, and we run in, we get our, our food, and we're, we're sitting like for like a five-minute break from driving all day long. We're sitting right next to the window looking at this dog that, that you would think was dying. You would think somebody was inside the car, like, whipping it with a newspaper or something. I mean, this dog's, like, clawing at the window. Like, it's perfectly fine. Air-conditioned environment. Fresh air coming in. And this dog is clawing at the window, screaming. And the next thing I know, we're in Petaluma. I have this crowd of people, like, circled around my car. And they're, like, calling the cops on me, right? So the Alaskan in me is, like, no! Like, we don't, we don't call the cops. There's air conditioning. This isn't dog abuse. And so, so... I, I'm like fine. I'm, I'm not going to enjoy my my lunch with my family. And So I I go out and my my family's in there eating. I I drive the car to the other side of the parking lot and I park and I'm in the car stewing with this stupid dog eating my cheeseburger, because this dumb dog is 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 not allowing me to, <laughs> to enjoy my McDonald's and and um, and and then I rem- so I'm already frustrated uh, in, in the moment. And I remember this. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've joined us. Maybe you've moved from California and you're here, <laughs> and you're like. This story rings a bell. Um, <laughs> forgive me, um, but you've become an illustration. And, um, and I remember being parked, and I was like, I was across the parking lot, eating my sandwich, and I'm just like, still stewing that these people didn't realize the car is air conditioned, and they're super just. And my my youngest or my youngest son. Comes out of the restaurant. He's done with his food. He comes out of the restaurant and starts walking to the car. Um, I'm, I'm Just so you know, I'm totally good with my kids walking. And, and I had another person start yelling at me. Like, start screaming at me for not walking my child across the parking lot of an empty McDonald's so that he could get in the car with me. And I didn't even know he was leaving the restaurant. I was sitting there stewing, eating my sandwich. And he's walking and she starts screaming at me. And I remember I... I rolled down the window, and it was like that freedom you experience when you're not in the town that you pastor. <laughs> I was like, lady, not today, devil. <laughs> Listen, like, I, like there are times when I, when, I, when I don't do what's right. I Like often, like I'm not, perp- but here's the deal. Me holding my, like here's the deal. I, I, I remember I yelled at this lady. I didn't even know her. I felt that the Holy Spirit was like. Self-control is my fruit. I'm like, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal. Like, even in those moments, that's not the thing God's looking for that pleases him. Even in those moments when, when, when I'm less than at my best, what pleases God is faith, not Perfection. What pleases God isn't that I get it right every time. It isn't that, I, that, I, that, that, we, that we all do the right thing at the right... It's the faith that follows God that pleases Him. And so in those difficult moments, in those seasons of life where you just feel like everybody's against me. Nothing's going right. Like, like everything's falling apart or, or whatever it might be in those moments... I moved to Idaho, and now I'm building a whole new friend group, and it's so hard. Whatever it might be, what I'm saying is it's in those moments that God develops faith in our lives. Because faith does not grow in comfort. Faith requires discomfort. Faith requires a gap in what you need and what you're experiencing. Like, faith requires a deficit in your life. And it's that deficit that God uses to create faith in our lives. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I'm saying in your most difficult seasons, in your greatest disappointments, God will leverage those discomforting situations to build faith in you. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not a feeling that you get when you pray and you you get goosebumps on you. Faith is not the, the rush of adrenaline you might get when you're worshiping the Lord and you just recognize his presence. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is evidence of things you don't see. That's what it is. Faith is evidence. Evidence is the thing that is required to convict somebody of something. Like, in order to to get in trouble for something, they need need evidence that you did it. It's not a feeling. It's it's proof. It's it's the reality. It's that tangible evidence that backs up the case that faith is, is alive in your life. So, Faith is not something you can't see. Faith is actually something you can see. Faith is actually a tangible thing. Faith is actually an observable thing. Faith is actually a behavior and a speech. Faith is actually evidence. The Bible says this that faith without works is dead. Or the idea is this that That faith without tangible evidence is not really faith at all. And and I understand that, that we're saved by grace through faith. I'm not talking about saving faith where the evidence of that is calling on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the faith of a believer that develops their spiritual strength, like builds that spiritual muscle inside of them beyond initial faith. It requires difficulty, and the difficulty is used for God's glory. So could I say that possibly in your difficult seasons, it's not God doing something to you. It could be God trying to do something in you. Because that muscle of faith in your life can only be produced in discomfort. Maybe he's doing something in you so that he can then do something through you. I'm talking about the kind of faith that allows us to believe God for more. I'm talking about the kind of faith that rolls up its sleeve and makes a difference in the world around it. A great passage in scripture that talks about this idea is, is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. It, it, it's this, uh, this, this woman, Hannah, she, she shows up and um, she, she shows, shows up at the temple. She had, um, she, she was barren. She was unable to have children. And she, she had a sister wife in this situation. Okay, so the Bible has stories with people that are married to two people. Okay, that's like a whole nother. <clears throat> know this, that any time the, the Bible talks about this, it's never a healthy situation. It, it's always like a dysfunctional scenario. Um, she's married, and her, and her her sister wife, for bad, lack of a better word, is having children, and she's not. And, and here's what it says um, about her husband. It says, now the man used to go up year by year... From his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. Where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. And on that day, Elkanah sacrificed. And he would give portions to Penaniah, his wife, and all her sons. So this is one of the sister wives. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. To the one that didn't have children, he gave her more. Because he loved her though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Hannah's not just in a difficult situation. Hannah is in an impossible situation. She's in one of those situations where she truly cannot control the outcome of the scenario. And it seemed like the person who was being blessed was only ridiculing her. The reality of Hannah's deficit, that she wanted children but she could not have children, created such pain in her life that the Bible says she would stop eating. And I don't know if you've ever had anything in your life that it it was so grievous to your soul that that you just didn't function the same when you thought about it. You, You just didn't operate the same when it was around you. Can I tell you today that deficit in your life is a prerequisite for faith. You've got to have lack in your life to experience faith. People say this. They say why doesn't the American church experience the kind of miracles that we're seeing in Africa and in Asia and the Chinese church? Why, why are we not seeing those things? The reason is really simple. We have no lack Maybe you've experienced this in life, but those moments when the doctor calls, those moments when you get a call from the school, th- those moments when you get a pink slip at work, those, those moments when you thought it was happily ever after and it's suddenly not happy or ever after. And, and, and in those moments, it feels as if the world caves in on you. It feels like this, this combination of like uh, of, of weight on your body and like a heat and like anxiety comes over you because you, you recognize like, this is out of my control. But if you look back, I promise you that if you didn't experience that deficit, you wouldn't have prayed the kind of prayers you prayed. Like, you wouldn't have leaned into the arms of Jesus Christ as hard as you did if everything in your life was perfect. It's actually the difficulty in life that brings about the kind of prayer life that you desire. And you wouldn't begin to speak things uh, that are not as though they were if you didn't have the deficit in your life. Like, the evidence that God is a healer being proclaimed from your mouth wouldn't have happened if you didn't get that phone call from a doctor saying, There's no hope. Like, you wouldn't have seen open doors where there was no door if you always had every opportunity. I'm I'm just telling somebody, like, that prayer life, that devotion to God, that pursuit of His voice is evidence of faith in your life that is only revealed through the pain. The deficit isn't, isn't, isn't about God doing something to you. It's about God allowing, about you allowing God to set the stage in your life so God can do something through you. And the problem is we do these counterproductive prayers. I've done them. They're good prayers. God, use me. God, I want to do great things in your kingdom. God, I pray that you would use my kids and my kids' kids for your glory. God, like whatever you need done, I'm asking if you can do it through a donkey. You can do it through me. God, I want to draw close to you. I want intimacy with you. Great prayers. But the problem is when God hears that, he's like, oh, you're ready to strengthen your spirit, man, aren't you? And trouble shows up. Don't you remember when you first gave your life to the Lord? It was like weird, weird trouble. You're like what in the world? Or, or the first time you stepped out on faith to do something for God, it was like just, just unusual frustration shows up out of nowhere. The reason is God is allowing circumstances in your life to develop your faith so you can become what you're praying for because you don't become that great spiritual warrior in a vacuum. You become that great spiritual warrior through hardship and adversity. John chapter 16, verse 33, this is a promise from Jesus. He says this, in this world you will have trouble hey, hey, I'm going to put that on my refrigerator, somebody. Make that a bumper sticker. Mm, Promise from Jesus, you're going to have trouble. But look at how he phrases it. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What he's saying is this, like, you're going to experience trouble, but the Purpose of the trouble is to get your faith into this idea that he's overcome anything you're going to face. Like, in the middle of your darkest moment, take heart because he's overcome the world. Like, in the middle of your worst relationship, take heart because he's got better for you. Like, in the middle of all your destruction, take heart because he can create all things new. But what we do is we, we, we do counterproductive prayer. Because then what we do is we start saying, God, get, <laughs> take this thing away from me. God, get this, get this frustration away from, get this difficult, I, I, I don't like it. And God's like, but you said you were going to step up. Yeah. God, I thought you just wanted, I just thought you wanted me to be blessed and happy. And God's like, yes, I thought you prayed that you'd have destiny and purpose and that you'd be able to do great things for me. So like, you need to go through the trial so you can build the faith that's required to be on the other end of the trial. It's like King David said this in Psalm 119. He said, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Woo! Can anybody pray that prayer? It was good for me that things were hard because I learned more about God by pressing into him during the difficult time than I ever would have learned if everything was easy. We get strength on, sometimes we think the idea is to like have these mountaintop experiences. And mountaintop experiences are fantastic. They, they give us perspective. They give us vision. But nothing grows on top of a mountain. I've been there. Nothing grows on a mountain. Everything grows in the valley where it's hard to travel. Where the bushes are thick and the ground is swampy. That's where the life is. And God is calling you to a greater weightiness, stronger stature in in his kingdom. And the only way you arrive there is when you walk through the difficult seasons, not avoiding them. This passage goes on with Hannah in verse 12. It says, And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, I just wonder if you've ever been accused of being drunk in church. Maybe your sophisticated church isn't this kind of church. And Eli said to her, how long will you be uh, go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you," he, he says. "Smarten up, wino." But Hannah answered, "No, my lord, I am a woman." troubled in spirit i have no, neither drunk wine nor strong drink she's like like i have i didn't i'm not sophisticated i drink wine and i didn't drink tequila i'm not you know like i just I'm, i i'm not redneck and i'm not sophisticated i'm just i'm just troubled that's what she's saying she said i'm just i'm just struggling here she says do not regard your servant as a worthless woman For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And then Eli answered her, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So if the deficit is what is required to build the faith in our life, let me say this, that a word from God is the foundation of the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then there's different types when we say the word of God. We mean a couple things. We mean number one, uh, the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. You want to build faith in your life? You need to be reading your Bible. This is this is why we, we if you don't have a bible we got free bibles for you like like as a pastor my goal is that you would pray read your bible <laughs> I need 13 steps on to how to do that no you don't you just pray and read your bible do those things i promise your faith is going to build And then there's another type of word, and that's like a, a rhema or a fresh word from God. Sometimes somebody will speak a word from God into your life, and in that moment, that word just, it just, it just, you just, that's from God. And those Rhema words come because of the Word of God, because someone's been in the Word of God. They never contradict the Word of God. And that's what happens in this moment. The prophet says, Yes, it's gonna be so for you. And instantly she was physically changed. It says her face was no longer sad. Like, like she suddenly realized like God has a promise for me because of a word. There's been times in my life when I was discouraged and I was going through a difficult season and I was pressing into the things of God and somebody just came up and gave me a word. I remember when I first moved to Idaho, I, I, didn't, I, I had literally lost every ministerial relationship I ever had because to leave the denomination I was a part of was very much like you're no longer a part at all. And, and as, as a young man that had invested my whole life into building credibility and, and, and influence with the whole group of people and losing all of that, I was devastated. And in that season, I, I remember I, I had, a, had a, a mental breakdown and the doctor was like, I can give you pills or you can work out. And I was like, I'll choose work out. Like, I'll go do that. And so I went and I was, I was at the gym working out at the YMCA over here in Caldwell. And, and uh, I, 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 there was a guy <clears throat> Dude had like tattoos on his neck and tattoos on his face, looked rough. Not the kind of guy that the Lord speaks through. Amen, my church people. And I walk up to this guy and said, hey, can I mix in with you? Because you're doing the same weight I do on the decline bench press. And he said, absolutely. I got down to push the bench press. And this dude with tattoos on his neck and tattoos on his face looked rough. He says, you know what God's saying to you right now? God is saying, you have left every connection and relationship you have and you feel lost and alone. And God has brought you here to reestablish you with every connection you need. I'm just saying that word from God made me get the courage and strength, and it came from an unlikely source, from a churchy boy. But what I'm saying is God can speak a word in your life, and it'll build your faith. It'll make you strong and just a word, it's like when I'm, when I'm, people say this, like, pastor, when you were saying this, like, it just, it, it felt like you were just talking straight to me. Like, did you bug my living room or did, were you on the other booth in Denny's listening to us talk? No, I don't go to Denny's. <clears> Haven't <throat> done that since college. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is that's a fresh word from God speaking alongside the word that's being proclaimed. The Rama, fresh word of God is speaking into people's lives. So Hannah has this, she has no child. She still doesn't have her prayer answered. All she's got is a word. Woo! She doesn't even have the promise in hand. All she's got is a, God said he'll do it. Countenance changes. God said he's got it handled. Countenance changes. If you wait until your prayers are answered before you believe God's Word, you may never see your answer. Some of us are waiting around just praying the same prayers, and God gave you a word, and you're still praying the same prayers as though he's not faithful. And I'm saying if you would trust the word he gave you and walk away changed like this woman walked away, like pick up your mat and walk the other direction, you'll begin to see the promise of God in your life. Don't wait until you have an answered prayer to trust that God is a prayer answering God. <clears throat> like there's a, a Peter, he the Apostle Peter. I love Peter because he's always saying stuff he shouldn't say. Um, <sighs> I saw a T-shirt on Facebook Marketplace that I think he would wear. It's like half hood, half holy, right? Like that's 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 the Apostle Peter. <clears throat> And there's a lame man at the gate, beautiful, and when Peter sees him, he, he says, look at me. And the Bible says the man looks at Peter expectingly, like the guy is expecting him to give him money. The guy is expecting something from Peter. I just want you to know that your expectation is very important. Uh, like, like your level of expectation when you approach the things of God changes everything. I heard people say this like, oh, pastor, you're just, you're just preaching so much better. No, I'm not preaching so much better. You're just expecting so much better. Yeah. I haven't changed. You're expecting more better. He said more better. <laughs> and Peter looks at him and says, hey, uh, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise up. And walk. This is a guy that's lame from birth. Like, he can't do do that. But based on, like, he didn't wait until the miracle happened. He hears the word and stands up. He's lame from from birth. He, He doesn't wait until God picks him up and stands him up. He hears a word and stands up. Like, faith has evidence behind it. This guy believed the word, and the evidence was getting up off the ground and moving forward. I'm, t- I'm telling somebody today that God is going to use your deficits, and you're going to hear a word from God. And when you do, have faith in that word from God. It might be something you read in your Bible, or it might be something a prayer partner tells you, or it might be something that you hear that you thought I said, but I didn't really say, because it was the Holy Spirit speaking to you while I'm preaching, Like, I really don't think God is impressed when we worship him when everything makes sense. But I think he is very impressed when I come limping into the house of the Lord, beaten down by frustrations, difficulties, and discouragements, and I can still raise my hands in prayer, and I can still seek his presence, and I still press into the things of God even when life is not Perfect. The band would come right now. It goes on and it says this. In verse 26 it says, "And she said, but what happens, she actually does have the child. The Bible tells us she has the child. She names him Samuel. And she... She keeps him for two years. And after she keeps him for two years, we could do a whole sermon series on the life of Samuel. She keeps him for two years, and then she brings him back to the house of the Lord. All the way back to Shiloh. And she goes back to Shiloh and brings him to Eli the prophet. And says this. She says, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted my petition that I have made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there she receives an answered prayer, and then she turns around and surrenders the answered prayer back to God. Because faith requires a deficit to grow. And faith requires a word to be established. But the deficit is never the test of faith. The deficit is the requirement. Sacrifice is the test of faith. She had this baby in her arms, finally. She'd been praying for him for a long time, and he's finally in her arms. The prayer is finally answered. And then she turns around and in faith says, God, you can have him back. Let me tell you today, God... God can put anything, when he sees a deficit in your life, he can put anything in your hand, that relationship you need, that miracle, that healing, he can put the he can answer the deficit, but the test of your faith is this, will you keep your hand open after your answer is in your hand? Because often what we do is once we have our answer, we close our hand back up and we say, God, that was awesome. That was wonderful. And then we wonder why we never have experiences like that again in our life. And the answer is because you were intended to continue living like this. Because the good Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's that posture of sacrifice that says, God, you put it in my hand in the first place. It's yours if you want it back. Like that's the very thing that is the test of the faith that establishes. The faith in our life. So, whatever God put in your hand, like He put it there. Whatever you have came from Him. The test of your faith is this Will I take the things I have? My heart, my health, my finances, my time, my energy, my words. Will I take those same things and just say, God, if you need them, they're still yours. The test isn't, can I believe him? The test is this, can I trust that everything I have is from him and he has the right to take it back anytime he wants? Because here's the deal. This story was never about Samuel in the first place. It was never about him in the first place. It was really about two things. One, opening a womb because Samuel's mom ends up having five more children. It was just the start of blessings. It was the beginning of blessings. The next thing is this, is that it it was never about Samuel. Because Samuel was the prophet that God used to anoint Saul king. And then Samuel was the prophet that God used to anoint David king. And David is the lineage by which the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, enters the world. So the purpose of Samuel in the very first place was to simply introduce David into his rightly place as the king of Israel so that the Lord Jesus Christ could come into the world and save sinners like you and me. I'm just saying, like, the miracle wasn't even about the thing in front of her. The miracle was far down the road because God isn't wanting to do a one-time work in your life. He wants an open hand so that he can give and give and take and give and, get and take and give. And I'm telling you, as it progresses, God will do infinitely above and beyond all that you can think or ask according to the power that works within us. I'm telling somebody today, would you just trust God with an open hand? Would you trust God with a deficit in your life? Would you latch on to the words that God speaks into your life and trust him for greater and greater things? Come on, church, would you stand with me? It was never about the blessing. It was about an open hand. And I know, I don't know everybody's situation, but I know there are men and women that are hearing me right now. And you're just trying to keep it together because you know you have a deficit and you don't know how to fix it. I'm here to tell you you serve the king of kings and the lord of lords if it's a mental issue he's the great counselor if it's a physical issue he is the great physician if it's a financial issue he owns the cattle on a thousand hills if it's a, I, I want to do more for God, I, I, I want to step up. I'm telling you, he is the head of the church. He'll answer the deficit in your life. We're going to pray about that in just a moment. But I'm asking you to have the wisdom that even after he answers the deficit, you still stand there like this. Say, God, it's all yours. And whatever story you want to write with this, it's yours to write. I wonder all across the room if there's there's some people that you, you just feel like like you got a word of of encouragement and faith right now, and maybe you're walking through a deficit, an emotional deficit, whatever it might be, and and, and you, you just believe that was for you. If you put your hand, I want to pray for you right now. Come on, keep your hands up right now, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we declare healing and freedom, fullness in the name of the Lord. Full courage and full strength right now. Lord, take back those those things that have been stolen from their lives. Lord, we trust you. We trust you alone because you alone are good and faithful and true. And every word you speak always lands. It never returns void. So right now, Lord, we trust you. Even in the areas of our life, we wish we're different. Maybe with every head bowed and every eye still closed, you're listening to all of this and you're thinking, like I hear you, preacher, but as you're talking, what I'm, What I'm sensing is this, that I really want to be close to God. And in that same sentiment, in that same feeling of wanting to be close to God, I also feel very far from Him. Listen, what that is, is that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. And you are, in fact, separate from God. You know that, but the drawing is the presence of God drawing you. And if you're ready to surrender to that right now and make him the Lord of your life, no longer a consultant that you run to when times are hard, but the Lord, the one at the steering wheel. If you're willing to do that, put your hand up all across the room, come on. Come on, I see that, so good, so good. What we're gonna do is we're gonna repent and we're gonna believe. Repent means we're going to turn away from the things we think, do, and say that don't please God. And we're going to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, his blood is going to cleanse us from all sin. And he's going to put us in a right relationship with the Father. So right now, something like this. If you raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand and you want to join in, now's your moment. Let's get right with the Lord looks like this, something like this. God, right now, I repent. I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. And I'm turning away from them right now. Lord, would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross was buried, and rose again on the third day. So right now, I I declare, say this with me, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I'm going to follow you every day that I live. Come on. Church family, there's some people that just made the best decision of their lives. Come on. The best decision. That's the best, that's the best decision you could have made all summer. Like, great job, great job. It's just the beginning of a great walk.
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.